Thank you, Bella. Appreciate it. As always, welcome back to another edition of the Soccer Specialist Podcast. And today, hopefully, the sound quality is much better for you than it was the past couple of episodes. I have a brand new computer. I have a new microphone. I'm actually looking at the the levels for the recording, and I'm hoping the mic's not too good and this the sound isn't uh, too high and causing some problems. But anyway, what I wanted to get into today is is kind of a review of some things. These are things I've, I've talked about in the, the past. It's, it's been a while. I've probably mentioned all of them here and there. And uh, the main bit of the podcast is going to be talking about a lot of the things that you can do to make yourself a much, much better player that have nothing to do with your physical ability. And I'm going to cover some other things as well, because look, let's face it, in America, big, strong, and fast are the traits that dominate youth soccer. If you don't have them as a player, you're probably going to get overlooked unless you have a, you're lucky to have a really, really good coach who understands, who sees, and recognizes what you what you can bring to the pitch. But unfortunately, despite all the lip service that's paid to development over winning, development over winning, there's still way too many coaches, way too many parents, well... Parents want the wins. The coaches still want the fast kids who make it easier to win. Uh, And to be fair, look, even good coaches find themselves in that situation because with parents paying paying the bills and so many parents um, equating winning with development, good coaches do need to they need to win enough games to keep parents from tearing the team apart and, and hopping away to another team or another club that sells them on you know the league they play in, the titles they win, and and all that stuff. So. It is, unfortunately, at younger ages, a simple formula. Play kick and chase, swarm to the ball defensively, super aggressive, and you win a lot of games. And why I say that about defense is because if you're big, fast, and strong, at younger ages, you players don't have the skills yet to play through that type of pressure and embarrass it. When you get older, you keep playing the right way, and you keep playing the right way, and you're learning, and you go through those frustrating times as you get older, you will start being able to play through those those teams that just swarm to the ball and didn't learn how to play proper defense, and you'll start winning games against them. But what doesn't happen when teams are doing that is you're not developing players so that they can continue to play at a higher level. While big, fast, and strong overcomes a lot when they're young, and the ones with size and speed look like future stars, that's not how it's going to end up. Not every kid is going to be the biggest and fastest, first of all. But also, as you get older, you get more and more of the skilled players that are start rising to the top. And unless the big, fast kids have those skills too, they're not going to be able to play with them. One of the great things about soccer is that a player can excel without being the biggest and fastest player on the pitch. Now, look, I'm not going to blow smoke as the, the saying goes. Top soccer players in the world are fantastic athletes. Even the so-called quote-unquote slow players in the EPL or Bundesliga or how wherever um they may be, they're not slow. They might be, they might be seem slow for that league, but they are not slow. Okay, you you absolutely need all those athletic traits. Don't get me wrong, but what I'm saying is, if you're not the elite in that, there are so many other aspects of the game that you can excel at that can make you a good player, a really good player. Okay. Um, in fact, they can make the difference between you being a great player and an average player or an average player and the player sitting on the bench or the player getting cut. One is to train yourself to think fast. Okay. 
That is so, so important to soccer. Simply put, thinking faster will allow you to play faster, even if your physical skills haven't improved, even if they're not any different. Your soccer IQ, decision-making, plays a huge role in your success out there. So how do you how do you do it? How do you train yourself to think faster? Most of it revolves around things such as vision, awareness, anticipation. You know, what are they? You need to be aware of what's around you at all times, even when you don't have the ball, in terms of finding the space to help your teammate in terms of receiving the ball. Anticipation. Where is the play going to go so that you can be there first, right? That vision that you've scanned the field. The ball's coming to you as a pass, but you've already scanned the field. You already know where the defenders are. You know what you're going to do with the ball before you get it. You know where your first touch is going. If you receive the ball, take a touch. Now you get your head up and you look around. Where are my teammates? Where's the other? You're done, right? You've already lost the ball. So that right there, thinking faster, being aware of what is around you, making those decisions of what you're going to do with the ball before you even get it. Huge, huge difference. Okay, that's so important. It's probably the most important skill in soccer is that analytic ability. You need a high level of soccer intelligence, okay? And to make good decisions with the ball, like I said, you need to know what you're going to do. This is so important. So I'm saying it again, you need to know what you're going to do with it before you receive it. Now, what you do may end up changing because, as you know, in soccer, everything changes constantly, okay? 22 players out there, and they're all moving. The ball's always moving. But you need to have a really good idea of what you're going to do. So even a player with a fantastic first touch, they will struggle if they wait for the ball to be at their feet. They wait for that first touch before they start analyzing their environment, analyzing what's around them and thinking about their next move. It's too late. The game is too fast to try and figure everything out after you've already received the ball. So thinking fast is knowing your situation before, before you take that first touch. If making your one and only touch a pass creates opportunities for your team, you must be prepared to do so. Okay, you need to be able to play one touch. You don't always have to play one touch, but you need to be able to. There's a difference between the two. But one touch isn't always the right decision. A lot of times it's not the right decision, but you need to be able to do it. All that means is you need to know what you're going to do with the ball before you receive it. You need to know what's going on around you. If your eyes simply follow the ball the entire game at some point, It'll inevitably wind up at your own feet, right? And you need to know what to do it. But if, if, if it's only then that you take the time to look beyond the ball, you're done, right? You're on, you'll be under constant pressure. You're going to struggle to make good decisions. You're going to start just kicking the ball because you don't know what's around you. So you're going to play it safe and panic and kick the ball away. And quite simply, you'll be thinking slow instead of fast, which comes to one of the most important things with regard to that, which is something I so rarely see in youth soccer players. Please, all the players listening, please, please, please do this. Please do this. Checking your shoulder. I rarely hear it talked about. To check your shoulder is simply take your eyes off the ball, glance around at your other surroundings, take a quick mental picture, allows you to see where the space is, where your teammates and opponents are positioned, where do you need to move to be in a position to receive the ball, to support your teammate? It may be one step in any direction. It may be a five-yard sprint. It may be a bending, long bending run. But you need to know what is around you. And you have to check your shoulder constantly because, as I said earlier, everything is always changing. Look, great mid midfielders, Frank Lampard, Iniesta, they've always always checking their shoulder. They've been tracked to do it. They check their shoulder roughly every six 
seconds in a 90-minute match. That's, what, 800 to 1,000 times a game. 800 to 1,000. I don't see players checking their shoulder a couple of times a game, let alone 800 of them. It's, it's amazing, but it has to be done. It'll make you so much better at the game because it'll make everything for you easier. Everything else becomes easier. And look, it doesn't require super speed. It doesn't require strength or size. You just need to decide that you're actually going to do it. Check your shoulder. Where, where's the space? Where's the defense? Where are your teammates? Okay. But far too often from the younger ages, all the way through late teen years, soccer athletes, they become spectators. They stare at the ball. They get zoned in and stare at the ball, and they become a spectator to the game until the ball's close to them or until the ball comes to their feet. But by then it's too late. They lost the chance to better position themselves. They have no idea the space of players around them. And they tend to have to, to turn the ball over or boot it away, like I said, in a panic. So always be checking your shoulder. Always adjust your movement. Your decisions are based on what you see. And that can change every few seconds. That's why you need to constantly be doing it. You always need to be seeing and evaluating what is going on around you. It's much, much easier to anticipate what will happen next when you do this, which increases your speed of play. Even though you haven't improved your skills, you haven't improved your athletic traits, but now you're a faster player, okay? Passing angles. It amazes me how many players don't understand passing angles and think they're open when they're not. Or players passing the ball to teammates they think are open when they're not. Sometimes it's simply one or two extra steps. It can easily create a better passing angle. I see this so many times when, say, an outside back gets the ball and the outside mid gets a little wider, but they're wider too far upfield, so there's no good angle to play them the ball. They need to come back and create a, a better angle for that back to hit them in the feet, okay? And, and instead, what happens is the back sees them there, thinks they're open because they're waiting there, tries to play that pass, and it gets deflected or stolen. And this is you know, just young players don't give a lot of thought to passing angles. It's, it has a huge, huge impact on your ability and your team's ability. So think about how you can be more open for your teammates or how your own passes can play a teammate into being more open, okay? And so, you know, a lot of players like to spend hours to blast shots on goal. And I get it. But if you focus on, as you get older, on your passing technique, and look, to go back to what I've talked about, player development, I don't, I don't want to let this go. I know it's kind of going down the rabbit hole here. But really, really focus on finishing Go back to the December 3rd, 2022 parter, and they're going into great detail about this, about how important finishing is. Because if you focus on finishing, if you develop finishing the way I talked about in that podcast episode, passing becomes easy. Passing becomes easy if you focus on, on finishing, get really good at it. Because no player is under more pressure than they are when they're finishing, which is different than shooting, okay? December 3rd, 2020, there are two parts to that. Go listen to that, okay? Now, Always be moving. Soccer doesn't stop. I've mentioned that a few times. What's one, a good position one second might not be a good position the next second. Good passing angles and seams, which is the space between defenders to play a pass. They appear, they disappear like that in a flash. If you're standing flat-footed staring at the ball, you're letting the game pass you by. Okay, you can't do that. You've always got to be moving. You always got to be checking your shoulder so you know where you're moving. Your moving has to have a purpose. You need to move to create space. Find a way to support the teammate who has the ball while also noting what you might want to do next when a pass arrives. Excuse me. All great soccer players, elite or not, elite, sorry, elite athletes or not, they're all elite players. 
read the game well, and they make sound decisions with and without the ball. Moving without the ball is definitely a struggle for younger players. I see it all the time, but you got to turn that into a habit. Start with something simple. Give you a rule. Do this all the time when you're out practicing. Every time you make a pass, even in a simple passing drill, take three steps in any direction. And I believe I got this from uh, Dan Blank to give credit where credit's due. I think I, I did get that from him. Okay? Three steps. Just do, It gets you in that habit of moving. Pass and move. Pass and move. When you commit to a run, commit to it. Commit to the run. Don't go through the motions of the run because you aren't sure if you'll get the ball. Most runs, you're not. You still have to make the run. That's part of the game. The run must come before the pass for it to work. And even if you don't get the ball, a committed runner can create space for a teammate. Okay, You're moving the defense with your run. They have to worry about you. That may very well open up something for a teammate that can lead to a goal. It's a good thing. Make the unselfish runs. That's a mark of a good player. Be that player. Be that player. I've lost count of how many times I see a player start a run, they don't get the ball, they stop their run, and then the ball is played, and now they're going from a standing start to try and beat a defender to a ball played over the top, and they're never going to get there. And look, to be completely fair, a lot of it is on the passer too. The player starts their run. A lot of times they're starting to run that they're going to be offside if they don't get it. So they stop the run. Then the pass is played. I'm sure you've all seen this players. I'm sure you've experienced this all the time and it is frustrating. So but you've got to make those runs. Look, here's one that's huge because no, I, I shouldn't say no. Look, to be fair, the players, the players listening to this are probably the ones that do this versus youth soccer as a whole. So right now, I apologize up front for whenever I say, oh, players don't do this or players don't do that. I realize that the players listening to this are on a different level and they're they're the ones that are actually doing a lot of these things. And what I was going to say is watch more soccer. I know it sounds strange. Simply, especially soccer more than any other sport, simply watching the game being played at a high level is going to improve your level of play. You're going to see all these things that I'm talking about. You're going to see the movement off the ball. You're going to see patterns of play that are used by a lot of teams that then create the allow for the opportunities to see for the creative stuff that you see for the individual wizardry with the ball for the incredibly quick and complex um, one twos that happen. There are a lot of pl pattern plays that happen the way we, they go back and around in the switching field. Look in America, young basketball players they watch basketball. Then they go out to the courts, they play pickup games for hours, and they try out the moves, the shots, the passes of their favorite players. Watching and then playing helps them understand the game better. It helps them be more bold and creative. And the same is true for soccer players. If you do it, and look, I'll make it easy for you. Play FIFA. Yes, the video game. All right, this is another way of watching soccer. It can be difficult to get, get players to watch the pros play. Right, players? You know what I'm saying. But playing a video game, oh, they'll do that for you. That's an easy sell, right? Get them to play FIFA. Players learn a lot of the same things playing FIFA. They'll learn from watching the game. And quite honestly, it might just stick a little better in their brains because they themselves are making the decisions. They're, they're involved. They're, it's interactive for them. Now, look, we're going to get into the other things that go along with it. I just talked a lot about the stuff that doesn't even have anything to do with not just size and speed, but skill. But to be fair, it all goes together. It all goes together because guess what? What if the bigger, faster, stronger kids that are listening to this, they do all those things too? Now what? Right? One, and this is probably more true for the bigger, faster uh, kids because they get um, they, they really struggle, I think, more technically because of 
using their size and speed and they're so wanting to get to speed with the ball that their touches are huge. Look, technical skills are crucial to the game. But look, you don't need size, strength, or speed to develop good touch on the ball. And I, like I said, athleticism is huge. I mean, come on, you know, I just came out with import, in, impact soccer performance. You know what I think of athleticism and how important it is to develop your speed, your agility, your explosiveness, and all that. But if the athletic players are also doing these things, the players who do these things that aren't quite as athletic, they better work on their athleticism, right? It all goes together. It all goes together. And look, you don't have to have fancy moves. Um, get the 30-day uh, ball mastery program at thesoccerspecialist.com. I just saw, oh, hold on one second. I want. I, I do want to read this. This was, because this was the other day. Uh, someone said, I forget what we were talking, they were talking about, but somebody said, oh, the 30-day ball uh, control program came up. Someone said, uh, Eric, I'll leave out his last name because I, I didn't get asked him if it was okay to read this off. But he said, oh, man, watch out. Day 30 is going to blow you away. I had my 09s do the 30-day program twice when we got back to training last fall after lockdown. And by the time we got to our spring campaign of games, it was menacing to the other teams. I love that phrase, by the way. I'm going to keep that. It was menacing to the other teams. That is awesome. Okay, and that's simply master the ball. Master the game. Control the ball. Control the game. One of the reasons you see a lot of players kicking the ball away is because they don't have confidence in their skill with the ball at their feet to escape pressure. You need to have confidence with the ball at your feet the way American basketball players dribble the ball everywhere. I know it's like way before your time, but I'd read stories about people like Larry Bird and Magic Johnson and growing up, they always had a ball. They dribbled a ball, basketball everywhere. Soccer players need that. Look, and it's more difficult too. You're talking about using your feet as opposed to your hands. You need to be able to control the ball at all times, at all times. Look, with a good foot skill program like Well, 30-day ball mastery program at thesoccerspecialist.com. Yes, I'm saying again, look, you can get 500 more touches as little as 10 minutes. Do you have 10 minutes to improve your game? I think you do. Just give you 10 minutes a day, 500 touches. That's 15,000 extra touches in a month. I think you can do that, don't you? Get it done. Right? It's going to make such a huge, huge, huge difference in the game. All right. I know we got a little more. I'm getting kind of long, right? But look, be the most focused player on the pitch is another one. That's the key that ties all this other stuff together. By being mentally engaged, you're going to rapidly improve your technical skills with the ball. You're going to dramatically improve your game without the ball. And you're going to do all the little things to get big results. And it's going to blow you away how fast you improve. As many, many average players, they don't, they don't do it. I mean, I'm sorry. Like I said that completely backwards. Many, many elite players... In terms of their athleticism at young ages, they do it, don't do it. Many average athletes, they make it because they are willing to do what others won't. Right? Too many athletes go through the motions. They get cruised on autopilot. That's why you see sloppiness in practice, and then it becomes sloppy in games. Don't be one of those players. Don't go through the motions. Every time you train, it's an opportunity for you to get better. Elite players take advantage of that opportunity. Average players go through the motions. Look, the time is a gift. Athletic careers are all too short. If you're not out there trying to get better, no someone else is. 
One day you're going to compete against that player. You're going to compete against that team. You're going to compete against that player for a roster spot. You can have less natural talent. You can be less athletic. You cannot let someone want it more than you do. There's not a program or coach in the world who can help you if you don't approach your training with the intensity and the focus and the determination it deserves. <sighs> be mentally engaged in what you're doing. Does that make sense? Be in the moment, every moment. Doesn't matter if you're not the strongest or fastest. There's so many other things you can do. It can be you. You can quickly become a much better player than you are right now, but it's going to take focus and determination and effort. It's easy to stand around the field and only come alive when the ball gets near you. You have to constantly, while you're out there, constantly be asking yourself questions during the game as to what you should do next or where it is you should be on the field. If you can keep yourself engaged mentally, if you make the effort to do the little things, you are so on your way to becoming a much, much, much better player. Now. To be fair about all that, you know how I feel about actually developing your athleticism. But you know what? This has already gotten way too long, so I'm going to get that into another one. I don't even know if I'm going to be able to upload this. Uh, we'll find out. Once again, I really, really appreciate all of you listening to this so much. Thank you for spreading the word. We are growing. We are growing. Um, slowly but surely, we're getting there. If you have not checked out ImpactSoccerPerformance.com, please, please go do that. I think you're going to love it. It's going to make a big difference in your game. It's going gonna, it's gonna to improve all the things we didn't talk about in this particular podcast. And I'm going to leave it there. I may have to cut this in two. I really, really hope not. But thank you again for listening. And we will talk to you later. Mm -hmm.